Welcome. This is Pastor Danny with Word of Faith Family Church in beautiful Lander, Wyoming. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I pray you will be energized and strengthened as you listen to God's Word. Praise God. You know, it doesn't, God doesn't always promise us a life of walking through uh, flowery beds of ease, as Pastor always says. But you know what? He does promise that he'll always be with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Let's bow our heads in prayer and we'll get started this morning. God, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you that your presence, that your anointing is here with us in our midst. And Father God, I thank you that you lead us, that you guide us, that you help us. Holy Spirit, I ask you this morning to be our teacher. That is your job here on this earth, to lead us, to guide us, to help us. And so I thank you that you do that, that you teach each one of us exactly where you're at, that you open up our hearts, Father God, that we may hear and understand with the, the spirit of our understanding that being enlightened, Father God. And Lord, I thank you for supernatural comprehension, attention, and recall this morning for every mind every heart, Lord, that we may not just be always uh, uh, relying on the milk of the Word of God, but that we may go to the meat of the Word of God, that our lives, that our actions, that our choices line up with the Word and what you've told us to do. And Lord, we thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We are talking about passion, talking about God.passion.life, loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and all of your strength. Every part of that. You know, a lot of times people say, yeah, I'm going to love God with part of my being, but eh, there's this one part that I'm going to hold on to. I'm not going to do that so much. But I want to get started this morning. Um, again, we're talking about passion. I want to get started this morning by talking about um, a couple different things. When we started this series a couple weeks ago, we put it out on Facebook and we called it God.passion.life. And you know what Facebook did? They blocked it. They blocked the word passion. Some of us were shocked. We were like, what? Are you kidding me? And they're like, why? And I said, well, to the best of my understanding, it's, it's, this, it's perceived as a, a sexual term, as LGBTQ, as something that says, hey, it's not appropriate for this day and this time. And, and so I didn't have much say-so in it, but they give you the opportunity to appeal. So I pressed that button a whole bunch of times. I appealed that thing. <laughs> hey, you know what? We're serving God with passion here. It's okay to be passionate about something, isn't it? Second story I want to uh, um, bring out to you this morning is, how many of you have ever heard of Fairleigh Dickinson University? I had neither until yesterday. <laughs> this is a, uh, any of you uh, basketball fans in here? All right, I got one. Wow, <laughs> tough crowd. All right, if you don't know, it's March Madness right now. College basketball playoff, 68 teams line up. Uh, I think it's, we counted, there's more than that. There's like 72 teams, and eventually... 71 of them lose, and there's only one victor, essentially. And this team is a small college, private four-year university out of Tainek, New Jersey. I've never been there. Hopefully I say that right. That was a true underdog to get into this tournament. They had to play a playoff game to get to the playoff game. And they were in this playoff game, and they were 16 seed. So if you don't know sports very well, 16 seed is, hey, I barely, barely got in. There's nobody lower than me. I barely got in. And if you don't know much about sports brackets, they team up 16s and 1s, right? And I was teaching my kids this, 15s and 2s and, and so on and so forth. So usually when you fill out a bracket and different things like that, hey, number one seeds often beat, usually beat the 16 seeds. So much so that... It's only ever happened as an upset one other time in 2018 that a 16 seed beat a one seed. Well, it happened again for a second time two days ago. Fairleigh Dickinson University, and you could ask my family, even I was on the edge of my seat after that game was over, I felt like I had played that basketball game. <laughs> I tell you what, I was so passionate about watching it. They'd hit a three ball, they'd come and something would happen. The momentum would change and shift. They'd get an and one, they'd get an offensive foul, they'd get an offensive rebound. Something was happening. And you saw, hey guys, these guys played with so much heart. They wanted it. They wanted it. Did anybody think Fairleigh Dickinson University was going to win? Nope. They're a 16 seed. The odds are against them big time. But they set history a couple days ago by beating Auburn, the number one seed, and kicked them out. So 
it, it inspired me because I was thinking about, I was like, man, I got to share that on Sunday, thinking about passionate. You know, when I saw those guys play, they said, hey, I don't want to lose because if I lose, I'm done for the year, especially as a senior. Hey, this might be my last organized professional competitive basketball game. And so here, I'm going to play with every ounce of energy I have. I'm going to be a scrapper. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to dive for that ball. I'm going to run. I'm going to do everything I can to be able to win. And I think that's a lot of times what I want you to do is connect that with our life with God. A lot of times we say, oh, yeah, God, I, I, I live for you on these days and I come to church and I do this and I follow all the steps. But, you know, when I need to get up and do my prayer time, read my Bible, I'd rather sleep, right? That's, let's be honest, right? Or there's things that I got to do that are on my schedule and my agenda and say, oh man, I'm busy. And we get, we go in and say, hey, I got to take care of the kids. I got to make breakfast. I got to figure out what I'm going to wear today. My hair is a mess. I got to do all these things. And then my job's calling me and people are doing this and all these things. And before you know it, it's bedtime and you're exhausted and you're like, oh yeah, God, uh, sorry about that. God desires a relationship with us. He desires us to be at the place that we want that relationship with Him. That we think about Him. That we meditate on Him. That we think about His presence. That we are aware of His presence. I don't know about you, but my heart's desires. I want God to interrupt me in the middle of my day. My day gets busy. I'm a, if you don't know, I'm a, I teach middle school also. And so kids are coming up and things are coming and, and required to do this and the emails just keep pouring in and all these things. And before you know it, you just, it just goes so fast. But I, my prayer is that I say, God, I want to be at a place that you convict me, that you say, oh, God, I'm more aware of your presence. You know, A.W. Tozer, who talks about practicing the presence of God, says, I don't even want to go a minute without being aware of the presence of God. You say, what's your point, Pastor? The point is God desires a relationship with you. He desires that relationship with you. And we're going to read about that today. We're going to talk about that today. God is actually jealous because he's given us the Holy Spirit in this day and age. He's jealous of your fellowship. He's jealous of your relationship. He's jealous of your time. We're going to actually talk about the idea of being more in love with the world. Peter actually talks about being as adultery. Believe it or not. So let's go there. Let's go to uh, James first, chapter 4. James chapter 4. And let's kind of talk about a couple of cornerstone verses this morning as we jump into this. We're talking about God wants us to live a passionate life for Him. We're going to talk through a couple of different steps today in order to do that. But I just kind of wanted to, to set the scene here. One of the things, that a ways that you can live a passionate life for God is to be able to set apart that time to read the Bible. You know, I, I love how those verses come out on Saturday that we can read and that we can, hey, be involved. Make that a habit. Hey, God, I'm reading your word. I'm understanding your word. I'm practicing that fellowship with you. So James chapter 4. Um, I'm going to go to the NLT, but it doesn't really matter. Whatever um, version you have is totally fine. And we're going to jump in James 4, uh, verse 1 through uh, 5 today. And he says this, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill, kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit God has placed within us is filled with envy? But he gives even more grace to stand against such desires. God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. And then he goes on there to talk about how you should humble yourselves. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. We talked about how pride is the, is the opposite of humility. I mean, the, the part that really stuck home to me about pride is that if you're caring about what others think about you, you're prideful. We should really only care about what one person thinks about us, and that's God. 
right? I think we all could do a checkup about that sometimes. Well, I care about whether they think I'm smart. I care about whether they think I combed my hair this morning. I care about whether they think I'm pretty or not, or I care about whether they think I'm a good mom or not, or all these things, right? Well, really, the Bible says that pride is, is hate or enmity against God, but that's a distraction. Let's get back on track here. James 4, 2 says this. Basically, what he's saying here is that... Um, you want all these things. These people were fighting with each other because there was, they were trying to get the things that the other person wanted. They were basically jealous, being like, oh, you got that? That's really cool. I'm gonna, I, I want that. I need that. I'm going to you know, fight against you for that. And then we go on there, and then we look at this part, and it says you don't have it because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. Let's dwell there for just a minute on that. Our human nature and our human desire says, oh, that's nice. That's got all the features. That's all got all the bells and whistles. Man, this even convenience here, it cooks my food. It fries my food. I, I've always said a couple of conveniences that I've always, man, I really want a washer and a dryer that does both. Why do you got to move them around? You know, <laughs> even when I was like, eight years old right and my mom was like make your bed i'm like i'm gonna grow up and i'm gonna make an invention that makes your bed for you I'm like this is ridiculous a side note i married a good woman who makes it every morning so that's fantastic so that's better yet god god truly gave me the desires in my heart but anyway that's not the only thing it doesn't matter moving on all right so we're talking about here again you get you don't you ask even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And then he comes out with some pretty strong words here, and he's blaming, and he's calling names, and he says, you adulterers. You adulterers. I think we all understand and realize what that word means. We could say in modern-day vocabulary, you cheaters. You're cheating on me. You're being unfaithful. Verse 4, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. So he's painting two pictures here. On one hand, he's saying, hey, either you be a friend with the world or you be friends with God. There's no like, well, I'm going to kind of toe the line a little bit and I'm just going to, you know, kind of, I got both. You know, sometimes when kids leave my classroom they're like there's one foot in the room and the rest of them are out. i'm still in the classroom i'm still in the classroom right so don't be like that and be in a place of saying hey i'm going to either choose one or the other god says don't be lukewarm or i'll spew you out of my mouth so this is a point here that i really want to make i want you to examine and i'm right there with you is that hey what what things of the world are you choosing what things of the world can you not lay down because you're saying, hey, nope, I just, this provides me comfort. Man, it's quiet in here this morning. <laughs> I, I just, I, I'm not pointing fingers this morning. This is what the word of God says. He said it right here. He said, you are cheaters. He said, you're cheating on me. Don't you realize that being a friend of the world, another way to say it is, don't you realize that being liked by the world makes you an enemy of God? Man, oof, that hurts a little bit. But God, you've given me all these nice things. I like this stuff. Okay, well, I'm not saying don't have the nice stuff. I'm not saying go live humbly in all of these areas. Don't have running water. You know, uh, don't do all these. I'm not, I'm not saying that. No, it's the heart right it's the heart if you look up there he says your motives are wrong when you're asking for it now we know that our god wants to bless us when we serve him but our job should not be hey i'm working hard i'm saving up my money i'm doing all these things so that i can have so and so and so rather we're saying hey god i'm asking you for this and i know that you'll take care of every need that i have I know that my only job, when we think about Jesus delivering the message on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, he said, seek first the kingdom of God, and then what happens when we do that? Yeah. What are all those things? What did he talk about in Matthew chapter 6? He talked about clothes. He talked about food. 
He talked about relationships. He talked about mental health. Don't worry about it. All of those pieces, he said, hey, I got this. We know that the Bible says, cast all of your cares upon him, your worries, anxieties, fears, and frets, because he cares for you. All of these pieces here now. All right. So let's go to, uh, let's keep moving on here. Verse 5 says this. Do you think that the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. I'm going to read that again. Do you th- uh, they say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. In other words, he's desiring your fellowship. He's desiring the relationship with you. He's desiring that you're talking to Him, that you're living for Him, that you're not just saying, hey, you're coming in and just living for Him only once in a while. I heard a song on the radio the other day. It said, I only seek you when I need a favor. I only come to you when I need a favor. i like, this is ridiculous. There's no relationship. What it reminded me of is that John Bevere video that we watched two weeks ago when the husband went to the wife and said, hey, I only need you when you need a favor right that's what it reminded me of or something else like that hey i'm gonna swipe right because i need a favor is that the kind of relationship you have with your heavenly father no this verse right here says he's passionate about us about our fellowship our relationship our connection. When I think about it in terms of like Kinder and I's relationship, I think about, you know, our relationship, it thrives by spending time with each other, by fellowshipping, by understanding and knowing. Because we've spent time together, because we've spent, spent that fellowship together. And when that isn't there, it can be stressed, right? We can, there, there's a level of trust that doesn't exist because we're like, hey, I don't really know what you're saying here and all of a sudden start putting up walls and defenses and realizing, oh, hey, there's some things that are coming between us and we've got to work through those pieces. That can be true in any relationship. It could be true with your employer. It can be true if, if you're in charge of anybody or, or any uh, uh, team of, of people. If there's not a level of trust that's there, there's not things that can happen. You think about your relationship with anybody. You say, hey, it's got to be based on our relationship about what I know about you in the past, right? Hey, when I've asked you to do something that you've done it for me, so now I can trust you when you're going to be, when I'm going to ask you for something else. It's the same way with our relationship with our Heavenly Father. It doesn't just come, we don't only go to God when we need a favor. We should be desiring that relationship with Him so much so that we say, God, this is my only purpose. This is my only passion. This is my only desire. Come on, this church, this morning, church. When we look here and it says, God is passionate that the Spirit, in, our, in other words, our human spirit, how we fellowship with God, the, the part of us that goes on and lives into eternity, our spirit man fellowships and that we should be faithful to Him. How are we unfaithful? being a friend of the world how are we faithful being a friend of god does that make sense this morning not my words god's words so maybe you've never thought about it that way maybe you've always been a person that says well i'm just going to kind of live in both worlds i got these things and you know they're the deep down secrets nobody knows about them but yeah that's okay Your lover knows. Your lover knows. And he wants you to choose him more than those other things. I'm not telling you what it is. I can't tell you what it is. But the Holy Spirit will. He's our helper. He's our strengthener. He's our comforter. He's our advocate of God. When we ask him, I, I dare you. If you ask him and say, God, what's coming between me and you? How can I strengthen my relationship? How can I fall more in love with you? How can I also respond to your passion to me? In searching the word passion, in the Bible, there's a lot of cases where the word passion actually is is in a sexual context in a lot of ways. 
But God designed that from the very beginning. He designed that. God is the author of love, all the four different kinds of love. God wants us to have that relationship with him on every single level. All right, let's keep moving this morning. So big idea number one for that is to realize that, hey, God is jealous about you. He wants your love for you or he wants your love to be his. The Passion Translation said this verse in that, this way. He said, you've become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? All right, let's turn to 1 Peter 4 this morning. Not very far over. These are some of my favorite um, books. I feel like they just have so many good things in them. Peter and James just really had such a great perspective on a life lived for him. So 1 Peter 4, verse 1. So then since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude that he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you, they backtalk against you, they gossip against you. But remember, they'll have to face God, who will judge everyone, both living and the dead. And we could go on on there, but I, I want to just kind of spend a, spend our time here in thinking about this idea, verse 2 and verse 3. And he says, you won't, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. I think that we really have to look at this and we have to say, okay, what desires are you chasing in your life? This is another way of saying what we just talked about. You know, what are your motives in this? What are your motives and your desires? Say, God, do I really want to serve for you? Do I really want to live for you? Do I really want to be sold out to you? Because when the time comes and I'm pressured for that, we've been pretty lucky in America in the last, in our lifetimes, that we've been in a place of freedom. We haven't faced persecution. You know, I'm thinking about that uh, pastor that, that Pastor Danny was talking about in Israel. He said, hey, he got beat with chains. And what did that do? That fired him up. The lady that saw her husband martyred, killed. And she said, more than ever before, I have to spread this message of the gospel of Christ. What level of commitment are you at? What level are you saying, God, I'm spending that time with you. God, I desire this more than ever. I'm not going to sit back and be complacent. I'm not just going to go through the motions. I'm not just going to say, oh, I'm tired and I just, you know, God, I, I, I know that you'll take it and that's my best. We should always be desiring more of the relationship with him. And guys, here's the thing. When you develop that relationship with him, you get addicted to it. You realize, oh, wait, God, you just told me about no. You mean to tell me that I, because of that relationship now, God, you revealed something to me that's going to happen in my future that's going to save me tens and tens of thousands of dollars? You mean you just told me that, that this person is going through something that nobody else ever even knew, and when I share that out with that person, they begin weeping and crying because nobody else had any way of knowing except the Spirit of God. And I'm able to give that person exactly what they need in that moment and in that time because I am a vessel of God. I'm not just going by trying to get my needs met, trying to take care of me, but I'm saying, God, I've lived wisely. I've lived worthily in a place to say, I can now be used as a vessel in other ways. God, you're telling me to give this amount of money? What? I've never wrote a check for that much in my entire life. <laughs> but I know your voice. I don't doubt your voice because I've spent time with you. Because I'm passionate about that relationship with you. Because I'm a friend of God. Come on, are you understanding what we're talking about this morning? 
God is requiring us to be at a place of living sold out for Him, of not just saying, well, I'm just going to come to church on Sunday and I'm, you know, I'll just show up 10 minutes late and uh, make sure I get my uh, latte and, um, you know, oh yeah, what are you doing after church? And, um, you know, I, I'm just going to go on living my lifestyle. Man, don't get me wrong this morning. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm not saying coffee's sinful. I'm saying, make sure that your priorities are right. When you come here to the house of God, you say, God, this is your house. When you're walking around in your living room, you say, God, I am a temple of the Most High God. When that person cuts you off in traffic, <laughs> Kinder and I were just talking about that this morning. <clears throat> If you can't say anything nice, then shut your mouth. <laughs> Whether they hear it or not. When somebody cuts, cuts in front of you in line, you've been waiting for all this time and somebody cuts in front of you, oh, how are you going to respond? The love of God should be in and working through you to a place that you say, hey, you know what? I don't know where this person's been. I don't know how their day is. I don't know what they got going on. God, give me, a, give me a heart. Show me what to say. Show me what to do. Can I, can I pay for this person's groceries? Can I, can I buy them a meal at McDonald's? What can I do to show your love to be able to open that door and show them you and point them to you? Again, it all comes from our relationship with Him. Amen. All right. So, I have three points for you note takers out there this morning. Get ready. Here we go. Three S's, actually, this morning as an easy way to remember it. Three S's. Number one, a passion for God should help us to stay out of sin. Stay out of sin. Stay out of sin. It sounds so simple sometimes, but if you're struggling with sin in your life in any form, it's hard. What is sin? Is it something that somebody told us about? No, the Bible talks about two kinds of sin. Knowing to do good. In other words, knowing the right thing to do and not doing it. And knowing what to do or what not to do and doing it anyway. Did I communicate clearly about that? Okay. I was trying to some of the words mix up together. That's it. The Bible says that the law, uh, uh, the law and the prophets are written on our hearts as well as what the Bible says about what to do and what not to do. The Holy Spirit will help you. If you're in a place and your actions, your choices are not lining up, if they're coming between you and Him, Holy Spirit's going to teach you if you're willing to listen to that. He's going to teach you. He's going to help you. He's going to show you, hey, I was going to bring up a picture, but I forgot. In some of our foundations classes, there's like this really big cliff right here, if you can imagine that. And there's another cliff over here. Sin is the chasm between us and God. If we're in sin or disobedience in our life, we say, oh, man, I can't hear the voice of God. God, where's your voice? I'm trying so hard, God. I'm praying I, I can't hear your voice. All the while, God's saying, hey, yeah, just change this. Just adjust this. Just fix this. Because sin separates us from God. The beautiful thing is, Jesus is the chasm, spans the chasm between us and sin. He took it once and for all. Does that mean we have a license to sin freely? No, Paul talks about that. I think it's in Romans. He talks about Hebrews, Romans, several places. We can't just abuse the grace of God, but we say, hey, God, I'm going to endeavor to live a holy life after you. And if there's something, is it, I do that periodically. I do a checkup. God, hey, I'm asking in my heart, is there anything I need to fix? Is there anything I need to change? Is there anything, is there somebody that I said something wrong about and I need to apologize for? I don't ever, I'm passionate about letting nothing come between me and God. I do not want that fellowship to be broken. I do not want the blessings to stop coming in my life. Because if you choose to obey God this day, then the blessings happen. It doesn't say blessings of God happen whenever you want. Ah, just, yeah, whatever. 
No, we're required to do some stuff. We're required to do what he tells us to do. We're required to step out and, hey, I'm not going to follow the pleasures of this world. I'm not going to follow those things. I'm not going to be a friend of the world. I'm not going to be in an adulterous relationship with the world. God, I'm going to be in a relationship with you. Because that's far more fulfilling than any of these temporary comforts that may come my way. Temporary fulfillments that are going to try to give me that next high or that next whatever it is. Because, God, you feel it all in all. So number one, staying out of sin. Number two, our passion for God demands that we live a sold-out life for Him. Number two, sold-out life for Him. And we kind of already talked about this. We must be willing to do whatever He says at any time. I talk about this often because I think it's so true. I, I, I just seen lots of people and and the bible talks about this in so many different ways if we choose to live our life god can only go as far as we're willing to go there was a time when i was at we were down in oklahoma and we were going to bible school down there and we were at church and i don't this is just something i remember very specifically and there was some things that god told me to do to be obedient in the service it's been a while so i don't really remember what it was i think it was it might have been screaming, I don't really know, yelling is a note of victory. It might have been running around. It might have been sharing something, but I was really nervous about it. I was like, oh, I'm not sure I'm supposed to do this, but I knew that God had told me to do it. So it took me a minute, but I stepped out in obedience to do it, and I did it. And the next day, I worked as a, a shuttle driver for the airport there at the time. As we were going to school, they had a good schedule in the afternoons. I received more tips that day than I had ever in the entire history of my job. And God spoke really, I, I just it was his inward leading in my heart. He's like, hey, I'm proud of you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following. Thank you for obeying. <sighs> we should live a sold-out life for him. God, you tell me to do it, there's nothing in my life that's more important than you. Nothing. Doesn't mean he's going to ask you to give it away, but it means he wants your heart. You think about a, a, a relationship between a man and a woman. You want that person's heart. You don't want anything to come between you. So is the same with our Creator. We know a marriage is modeled after our relationship with our Heavenly Father, right? We don't want anything to come between us. So, so much more, our Heavenly Father is jealous about that relationship also with each one of us. Living a sold-out life for Him. I challenge you this morning. Are you at a place where you can say, God, I, no material thing matters more to me than you? And there may be times that he's going to stretch you a little bit. That means you're doing the right steps. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It doesn't take faith to do something that's easy. It takes faith to step out where you've never stepped out before. It takes faith to step out and say, oh, this is a bigger check than I've ever written before. I've never said this to this person before, but God, I know your voice. I've never done this before, but God, I trust you because I know that I have a relationship with you. Come on, do you get it this morning? Do you understand what we're talking about? We've got to be so involved in that relationship, so passionate about our relationship with our Savior, with our God, with our Creator, that we know His voice, that we spend the time with Him. So much so that when He says, do it, I'm trusting Him, I know His voice. I'm not saying, God, oh, this is, I just don't, okay. You bet, God. I love you. Sold out, I know it's your voice. I talk to you every day. Number three, our attitude must be one of servanthood. Servanthood. Number three, our third S today. Our attitude must be one of servanthood. Turn with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 and verse 33. 
context on this, and if you have subheadings in your Bible, it says the disciples argue about who would be the greatest. I was trying to think if Chosen had an episode of this. I was trying to look for it, but I just couldn't quite. I think there's some parts. In season two, I think episode three, it's where all the disciples are at odds with each other, where Jesus is ministering to them all through the whole day. But it's not directly this passage. Anyway, but the disciples argue about who would be the great. Let's read the story. Uh, Mark nine thirty three. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in the house, Jesus asked the disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. <laughs> Does this make you smile? <laughs> oh my gosh. This almost reminds me like a group of boys growing up together and be like, dude, can you throw the ball farther? No, can you throw the ball farther? Can you, can you do this? No, can you do that? Like, yeah, like, can you run faster? I got these brand new shoes. I'm going to run faster than you. <laughs> but they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down. I, I, I'm imagining Jesus with a smile on his face right here. It's like, you kids, come on. But they didn't answer because they had been... Ar okay, I read that part already. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Then he put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my Father who sent me. We're talking about point number three, an attitude of servanthood. Jesus also talked about in Mark chapter 10, verse 42. He says, Among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Can I tell you this morning that a life living for God with passion for God should be characterized by a heart and by a life of servanthood? As I was reading about this, I was like really inspired. Like I was thinking about like one, one aspect of this put it like, hey, having an attitude to be perfectly okay and happy with second place. I don't know about you, but I'm a competitor in everything that I do growing up. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't care if we're playing ping pong, we're playing baseball, or we're throwing snowballs across the roof. It doesn't matter what it is. I want to be the best at it. That's human nature, right? You know, hey, I want to have the nicest hair. I want to have the best makeup. I want to all these things, the fanciest clothes, whatever. Whatever that is for you. Human nature says, yeah, I want to have that, right? But Jesus here, he's talking about it in a little bit of a different context. I was thinking about trying to think of some other examples. You know, when I was uh, dating Kendra in um, Casper, um, I was a stupid kid. And I was, <laughs> I was racing her dad across Casper trying to, I don't know, it's stupid. <laughs> but there were times that, that we would go and, and sometimes he would win and take a different route and sometimes I would go and take a different route and there was one time the time that I remember like we had raced all the way across town and he we got almost back to the place we were going and he stopped at a stop sign and here I was rolling by and I was able to pass him and beat him and I know that probably just ate him up but now he doesn't <laughs> care because he's got a son-in-law now and he knows I'm not going anywhere so it is what it is but um <laughs> you know it just like I was not okay with getting second place in that situation. <laughs> I didn't care what my gas mileage was, and I was taking risks. I was definitely exceeding the speed limit of most of those rules of, the, of that area because I wanted to win, right? When I was a teenager growing up back here at ping pong, you know, we'd play, and I'd play one of my friends, and if he won, let's play again. Come on, let's play again. He, he won, let's play again until I win right? Doing it. Whatever it is, what do you want to win at? You want to be successful. You want to win. But an attitude of true servanthood says, no, Annie, I want to help you succeed to win. 
What can I do to help you support you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> An attitude of servanthood says, hey, this is for the collective cause of all. I was thinking about some examples like this. Yesterday, I was outside because it was so nice out there, you know. I was like, oh, I just need some sunshine. I need some vitamin D. I'm just going to stand here looking like an idiot on my sidewalk and get some sun, you know. But I heard the sound of geese flying by. Look up and they're honking and flying by. And I was thinking, you know, when they fly, they fly in the V pattern. We've seen it. We understand. One takes lead position for a while, breaking the air. They're working the hardest, hardest that they can. And then when they get tired, the next one in line, he goes back to the back of the line. The next one steps up for a while and they fly. We know that pattern. We see, hey, mankind says, hey, geese are smart. So we use that idea in race cars. We use that idea Tour de France when we're racing bicycles. And you can probably think of a lot of other situations also about how we do that. Again, you're racing for the team. You know, I think about in racing, and maybe Jim could help us out a little bit. That's more, he's a big race fan, right? But you know that a lot of times there's teams and they work together. One guy's going to take the lead while the next guy drafts for a long time, and he's saving fuel and energy for that last big push before he can come, and then this guy steps aside so that the next guy can win. Wait, you're telling me that I'm in the lead? for most of the race and then I'm going to forfeit my lead so the other guy can win? That's exactly the message that we're trying to get here. Hey, the second guy winning is for fulfilling the kingdom of God. We're doing our part that God's called us to do. We're being servants. We're stepping up. We're saying, hey, I'm going to serve in this capacity whatever God needs me to do for the sake of the whole church. God, you've called me to do this. I'm good at this. It may not be up there preaching, but I'm sure good at this. You know, Lorraine and Jim and Gay and Zach and Isaac and Eli and all of you guys, I got here this morning. It was uh, 8 o'clock, and their whole family was already here. I couldn't even find a parking spot in the back because there was all these Wrens and McMurray vehicles. <laughs> and... That really blessed me because they're making it a priority to show up, to serve. Maybe you ate a cookie all the times and you don't even think twice about it. They showed up, they cooked them, they've planned for it, they've made the coffee, they've made sure that they have all the materials in place. They go up whenever I close, whenever that happens, and they get ready to go and set them back out again. Thank you guys for your servanthood. Thank you for all of that and for doing that. I want to recognize you for that. You know, there's, I could go on and start, start thinking about people and I'd miss somebody for sure. But we should desire to be servants. We should desire to be servants. What does that look like in the church? Many of you serve in the children's. And if you're watching the live streaming today and those of you that are in children's right now and youth, thank you for all that you do, all that you're serving all that you're doing. I challenge you in here this morning. Get in a place of serving. You know, I just, I, I saw this this morning and I said, God, uh, please give me the right heart about it. But he says this, what did Jesus do, back to this verse here, what did Jesus do to those disciples? They were arguing about who is the greatest. What did he do? Let's go read it again really quick. What did he do? Verse 36. He put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he says, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me and the Father who sent me. I must say this, those ones that are serving back there this morning, if you line this up with the rubric of what Jesus says, the reward is great. Our attitude should be a place of servanthood. Not just in the church. I'm not saying it to make you feel guilty. But this is what the words that Jesus said. The disciples were arguing. I can even put it in this context. Sometimes I hear this as a pastor. No, I want to sit in big church. I want to sit in big church. It's not servanthood. 
So you work on that with what you will, and you take that for what you will. But I, I, I think that what I'm trying to really get at this morning is what Jesus said. The disciples were worried. Hey, dude, you got stronger muscles. Oh, no, wait, you can understand more about this. Oh, wait, no, he picked you first, so you must be the best disciple. They were arguing about it. Let's instead be the person that says, hey, there is a line to serve in children's and youth and nursery and Air Force and all those things. Hey, I see the value of servanthood here. I want to be able to learn an area where I can serve in the church. I want to be able to serve, and many of you do, and that the church wouldn't even function without you here. But you've, I challenge you this morning to see the results that Jesus said. You've got to be able to serve. You've got to have a heart of servitude. You've got to say, oh, I'm going to serve. Yes, I'm going to serve. Come on. Amen. I'm not just saying to church, don't get me wrong this morning. But do what's on your heart to do. Start. Get involved. Be a part. Put your hand to the plow and say, yes, I'm going to serve. I'm going to get involved. And if you need help, go see my member of the pastoral staff and they'll help you. But I, I just saw this connection this morning and I just thought, man, that is so cool. That is so cool to think that Jesus said, hey, those that are serving the kids, you're fulfilling the work of the Father. That attitude about it. Those disciples, they thought they had it all figured out. Jesus is really challenging them once again. A couple of things as we end up, we're out of time here today. I, um, Charles Swindle had as a book it's called Improving Your Serve if you're looking for next steps um, Improving Your Serve he said um, serving is a kind of a preset mentality that says things like I care about those around me it says why do I always have to be first how can I help somebody else win it says um I, really, I willingly release my way this day. Lord, show me how you would respond to others and then make it happen in me. Isn't that good? Amen. Let's stand up this morning as we get ready to close. So just to recap, what have we talked about? What have we talked about? So we talked about, hey, God wants us to live a passionate life for him. We talked about how James talked about God is a jealous God. He says, hey, I don't want you to, to, if you're an enemy of the world, then you're a friend of God. If you're a friend of the world, then you're an enemy of God, right? And each of those pieces. He talked about, you can come on up. Yeah, that'd be great. He talked about, we talked about also that, hey, our relationship with God is like a loving relationship, right? He says, hey, don't be an adulterer. Don't choose the world over me. We talked about three different things here. We talked about a passion for God should help us to stay out of sin. Sin is a chasm that separates us from God. If you're in sin in your life, I, I encourage you, I challenge you. Hey, that's going to be a blocker in your life until you choose to get it right with Him. Then you can start to see more of the blessings of God. Number two, our passion for God demands we live a sold-out life for Him. Not just halfway, not just part of the way. Not spending our life chasing our own desires, being willing to do whatever he asks us to do. And number three, our attitude must be an attitude of servanthood. We must be in a place. Our natural, natural self says, hey, I want to win. I want to win, right? I want to be the best at that. We got to realize that, hey, our flesh says, hey, I want to win. But instead, we should surrender our ways and our thoughts and our ideas so that the ways of God can come through. Amen. Hallelujah. Heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Father God, I thank you for every person that's in this place this morning. I thank you, Father God, for everybody that's here. Lord, I thank you for your word that has went forth today. I thank you, Father God, that your presence is in this place, that you're touching hearts, that you're changing lives, that you're calling us up higher in the things of you. And Lord, I thank you for this moment right now that you would help anybody that's in here struggling in one area of their life or another. Lord, I ask that you help them and you show them what to do. Holy Spirit, you are our helper. You are our strengthener, our comforter, and our guide. 
Help us to be able to live a life worthy of you. Help us to be able to be passionate and living a life for you like never before. Help us direct our steps so we can be aware of your presence at any moment of the day. Lord, I thank you that you're calling us up higher, that you have an amazing plan for every man and woman in this place watching online. I thank you that your plans are good to give us hope, to give us a future. And I thank you for speaking to hearts right now this morning. Thank you for the word that has been sown in our hearts that is good ground. We'll take it and we'll listen and obey. If there's anybody right now in the sound of my voice that says, hey, I don't know God. I've never accepted him as my Lord and Savior. Give you an opportunity to do so now. If that's you, I ask you raise up your hand and say, yes, I accept. Yes, I want to see, I want to know God like you're talking about. Somebody in this place today that says, hey, you know what? What you said really spoke to me. I really want to take it to the next level. Instead of raising your hand, I encourage you to, the voice of your heart this morning, recommit to God and say, God, I commit to you. God, I desire to to develop this relationship with you like never before. His presence is here. It's working on hearts this morning. As you choose to open up your heart, he'll help you. He'll show you the next steps. He might show you the whole picture, but he's going to show you the next steps. He'll show you what you need to do. He'll show you. He's our helper. All right. Just say this after me this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus. And I thank you that you have a plan for my life. I thank you that plan is a good plan to give me a future, to give me a hope. Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me this week to follow after you like never before. Help me to pursue my passion, to be aware of your presence, to listen to your voice, to develop the love relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a joy having you with us today. We pray you've been blessed by spending the time in God's Word. Always remember, you're valuable and precious special and important to him.